And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday. I'm Dave DeFore, and that means it's Nerder. She wrote, joining me this week, as they do every week, except for next week, because I think Seth's got it off. Seth Partnow and Mo DeKeel. What's up, guys? Hi, Dave. What's up, Dave? I, I love that I didn't <laughs> hand it to one of you like I usually yeah. do, and nobody that, knew when to go. That, Double Dutch, no, guys. No, I, I wanted to time it. I wanted to time it and, and go at the same time with Seth. Listen, I know who grew up playing Double Dutch and who didn't. You got to watch the other guy's feet. I mean, I know you guys can't see each other's feet. There was, there was always snow on the ground, so we didn't play Double Dutch. I was not playing <laughs> Double Dutch, so it's okay. Well, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, playoffs are fun, guys. Um, you guys... Uh, Enjoying the series and the refereeing. Uh, well, we did. We like, no. okay. That was there was a stretch of we're there, not gonna it, hammer them. Well, I mean, yeah, You're what I mean, maybe it, remember, remember when you, you had to hammer level? a guy for it to be a flagrant foul instead of just like going up for a layup? That's like that's like the, the flagrant <sighs> on I'm sorry, the flagrant, but no, let's let's, let's not talk about it, but the flagrant they called on on Aiden was just like. I'm, Yo, that wasn't even as the worst one. The flagrant they called on Bobby Portis was ridiculous. Horford sticks his butt out. He comes down. If, if you just touch a dude in the head, it's it's a uh, uh, flagrant foul, and that's the end of it. And it's like, guys, we've gotten away from what the rule. Flagrant foul is like, yo, that's way more than a foul. It's not you touched him in the head. Please, referees, stop. And don't make any more videos. Jack Harlow and Scott Foster rapping. We don't need any of that. Just ref the freaking game. Listen, I, I don't need referees to have personalities. I mean when I say I do not know these guys by name. Like, I have purposely tried to avoid the... Like, Scott Foster, I now know, unfortunately, because it has been hammered into my brain. People want to point it out to me. I don't think it's a good thing to actually know the referees. That's not why people pay money. And more to more to the point, like if you know the referees, it's because there's at least a perception that that's like, you know, that's it's like oh the the greens are fast today, like oh the ref is Tony Brothers today, so it's gonna the game is gonna play different. Well, I mean, like we all know Scott Foster's refing the next Suns Mavs game, right? Like, like we know that's coming. Right. I'm, I would that, bet that money right real, now that's happening that is, game three. That is some real irresistible force meets a movable object there in terms of how good the Suns are versus the uh, the, the Chris Paul, Scott Foster streak. It's just – it's happening. Sorry. Get ready. I'm, I'm calling it now. I wish I could bet that. Well, I, here's my thing. I will say this. I, I don't want to spend any time any more time on this because it's a waste. The games are good. And the refereeing, I, I think, has mostly been fine with some really egregious errors. 
And uh, I do want to just jump right into the actual playoff games because that's why we're here. And we're going to start with Golden State and Memphis. We're going to run through all the series. We're going to kind of do our thing here. Um, guys, Golden State and Memphis is a rare series where after two games, both teams should actually feel lucky that it's 1-1. This is It's been a nuts series so far, which I think when you're playing Memphis, it's just chaos. Uh, they're just going to drag everyone into playing so dumb, guys. I mean... <laughs> just such a crazy series both, both teams lucky to be one one it's that simple and, you know people say like this game is on drugs no this series is drugs <laughs> i mean the end of every game I, I i feel like i'm gonna have a heart attack like my like i'm so anxious my hands were sweating no, no this isn't i mean we have to we might have to like specify the drugs we're talking about because i think we've changed we've we've changed our uh our, our poison from the Minnesota Memphis series to which is like bath salts to whatever this is, which is, you know, a different kind of high. So, um, the, yeah, I, I, it's not, it's not as, it's not as just insane as that series was, but it is like certainly interesting, entertaining. And there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of spectacular and a lot of head scratching. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, and, and look, this series has so far been colored by two, high-profile ejections, both of which, Mo, kind of worked in Memphis's favor, at least on paper. I, the funny thing was it, I kind of even felt like the first one with Draymond worked a little bit for the Warriors as well. I think like it kind of slowed them down, and I think this is something we'll talk about later. But, it, but for Memphis, like with Dylan Brooks out and having to play DeAnthony Melton a lot more was huge, and I think that's something that they should kind of consider going forward whether whether Brooks gets suspended or not but like hey Melton probably deserves more minutes in the lineup like he in fact he didn't play a lot of that Minnesota series if at all was kind of is kind of odd to me and then you put him out in this one and you're seeing his value out there I mean just the the block on Steph on that floater towards the end of that game was massive I mean it wasn't a game-saving block but it damn felt like it and I think that's you know I think Brooks is such a problem for me on the offensive end. And then he picks up so many dumb fouls on the other end. I feel like this is something you're getting a little bit more out of Melton. So, all right, let's, let's talk specifically about some of the issues for both teams. And and I want to start with golden state and they, they're just failing to guard John Morant. They are not stopping him from getting everything he wants. I mean, he had 47 points in game two. And I don't understand why they haven't switched it up. Can they make this guy go right? And not like spin back, right. But first move to his right. I mean, he did. He, yeah, it's, I, that, that's, that remains very strange to me that they, that it's, you know, he, he does everything better going left. He finishes better. He shoots floaters better. And if he needs to, he spins back, right. Including, you know, Maybe the shot of the playoffs was the one where he like was it the Wiggins fit. who defended his spin back perfectly and he just like okay well I'm gonna hang in the air then I'm gonna duck under you while I'm still in the air. and like I think Jim Jackson on commentaries reaction was all of us as they they play the replay he's like just let it roll yeah right. okay it's <laughs> like yeah okay. nothing else to say yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. sure nothing else to say um yeah no they they you know the the first half i felt like the first half maybe the first three quarters it was like all right you know good for you jai you're hitting some jumpers and stuff like that but then 
and we'll get to this, I think, in the Phoenix Dallas series too. It's just like make him do something different rather than just exploding to his left and finishing or throwing a lob or shooting a floater. Do make him do something else. Just push him away from the screen. Just push him away from the screen. Push him away from the screen. How many more times I got to say this? Just just jump in that position and say, hey, we're not letting you get to your left. We're going to give you the lane to the right. There's going to be help there, but we're just not going to let you get to your left. And let's see how how you do against that. And it's like, it, 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 it it's one of those things. Like, I won't even be surprised if we don't see them do that in the start of game three either. Like, I could see this, the, the Warriors saying, hey, look, we're right in that game we're fine, you know, and I, and, and I think that's just a mistake right there. Like, and, and, and one credit to Memphis, they're doing a great job flipping the screen at the last second is when they do that, that the defense jumps and it opens up the whole lane for Ja to get to his left. But I mean, can't you just strong him every time, even regardless of which way the screen is like, okay, if the screen is on, okay, ball handler, if the screen is on your right side, get over the top of it. If the screen is on your, on your left side, fight through or fight under. Like it's just you know you like regardless of where, which direction the screen is going you um you like is it the point where you almost uh you almost harden him yes yes like, you have to at this point now the like, only problem is, the only problem is the guy on their team who's best equipped to do that is not going to play the rest of the series I'm I'm and that is yeah. crucial right that is crucial missing Gary Payton the second is going to change everything here I, I'm not even sure. I mean, who they're I guess they're gonna start Looney. Is that your assumption for, for game three, guys? I mean, it's either go big with Looney or go with Poole and go with more offense. I mean, I'm just thinking like Steve Kerr, right? Like we know Kerr is going to lean defense. And, and I just can't see him doing Jordan Poole over Looney. I mean, the other night on the ding, you know, Mo, you and I, we talked about it the night of the injury. And, and my initial reaction was, wow, Jordan Poole coming off the bench, I mean, he's just been so good. But I think Steve Kerr is more likely to go loony, and maybe he only does. You know, it's a it's a ceremonial twelve minute, start. you know, six right. minutes, six minutes at the start of the game, six minutes at the start of the second half. Uh, but it, it, I, I just I don't expect him to go offense. Well, my th- well, here's three. my thing. I don't know if you can look at your team and having lost Peyton and go, all right, let's lean defense. I don't know if you can. I think at that point you got to go. Now we just got to outscore these dudes. Now we got to go to work there. And I think that might be the the attitude with with what they have going. But they have to get a little bit more from Wiggins. They got to get more from basically everybody's got to step up on that defensive end. Guarding Jaws not one person right now. Guarding Jaws is going to be the team and 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 how they push it. I think you you get to the offense lineup. I'm not sure you start there because foul trouble has been a problem for them this series. And, you know, especially um, I, I think I was um, Nate Duncan was making this point that, that Jordan Poole is challenged defensively in the best of times. Now put foul trouble on him and see how on it like how la- much he the physicality just completely vanishes from his defensive game. And so if you start if you play that like if you go that small, um, you're asking for you know offensive rebounds and cheap fouls and stuff right away in the game. So I think you 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 try to manage to get there. And then when Memphis doesn't have like Jackson and Tillman on the floor, 
then maybe you start to get to that small a little bit more. And then, you know, if you've managed the way your way through the game and you have some some foul cushion, then maybe you 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 get you kind of you you, you flip the matchups that way. But I think starting there is asking to get yourself in in trouble over the course of the game. I, I don't think we're having these conversations if Draymond and Clay are playing better. And and I think it's two different things here. Number one, we let's talk about Clay because the expectations for Clay Mo, I think were a little bit unrealistic. I was screaming about this since the start of the season. Like the whatever you get from Clay is a bonus this year. He's still trying to figure out how to play basketball with this new body of his. He hasn't played in basically two years. This is the first season he's gotten to come back and play. And Everybody was just like, Clay's lost his... Yeah, no no shit. The dude has a torn Achilles and, and tore his ACL. Like, guys, he has a, he's going to lose a step a bit. And it's going to take a while to really be back and be back to fully being Clay. And I think we're, we're seeing some of this stuff defensively. And I think we're seeing those, those issues with that. And we're seeing it more on the defensive end, although he's not shooting it well. But that's the thing. And, and I think the aspect of it is everybody had these expectations of it. Like, guys is always going to take a while for clay to come back. Like it's not, I'm more excited about clay next season than I am what he can do this season. doesn't mean he can't drop 30 something tonight or whenever the game is, but like, it's, it's something that you just got to be ready for. There were some signs of defensive slippage from clay. Uh, even, even like that, that season, last two seasons of their, their, their title run. And it was sort of like, um, you know, is this just like not, giving a shit in the regular season or giving less of a shit in the regular season, or is he starting to, you know, he's getting a little up there. And, um, and I think that um, there's still questions about what, what was happening before, but you combine that now with, as you say, his new body and he's not the same defender. I think we're probably seeing it more on ball than, than off ball. I don't think you, I think he was probably always a little overrated as an on ball guy, great off ball guy, but like now I'm not even sure he's a positive on ball defender anymore. Or, or right, not anymore. I mean, right he's now. a guy. I listen. If you were, if you were asking me who I want to target off the dribble, and my choices are Steph Curry or Clay Thompson. I, I mean, with John Moran, I think I'm choosing Clay Thompson. I, Steph has done a pretty good job. I think it's 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 a target rich environment. Like this is a situation <laughs> yeah. where they're going to be pretty. Like if that's the case, like and Jog is to pick between those guys and Pool. Like that's that's a, a a problem for the Warriors and something we're not used to with them. And I think that's the 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 issue there. It's got to be the backline defense, and it's got to be what what Draymond does. Can we, can I, just an aside, can we give some credit to, this is something Steph's always done, especially in the playoffs, but to Jaw a little bit uh, is, is okay, both of, um, Jaw especially still not a good defender, but he's working. He's, he's trying. They're competing defensively. I, uh, no, there they're, are, there, there are a good amount of possessions with Jaw where it's like, meh. <laughs> I'm, I can't a lot of the that. plays that he's made defensively, like he got a big steal the other night. I mean, that pass was just, I mean, it's telegraphed for an hour. Um, some of the stuff, I mean, it's still late recognition on his part. And, and a lot of it's just, he's a, a kind of a slight guy. Like he's, he's doesn't have a lot of, you know, heft to him. So he's going to get tossed around by every screener, especially golden state and the way that they screen. Um, yeah, I do I, before we finish I just, up, just to, I, I, I'm not saying it's good. I am saying that they, that there is, there is, 
you know, I'm I'm not always one who wants to reward visible efforting. There well, there is visible effort. efforting going on there. He just just, yeah, he's bad, just, yeah, just bad at it. And, well, yeah, you know, really bad at I, it. I, think I mean, it's honest. Um, I think we've seen some other players uh, who are offense dominant players who haven't even given us that much. So I think we should acknowledge that, you know. Absolutely. You know, sure. We give him the, the ceremonial pat on the head for well, being out there that, and sweating. That, that, that's on better than the ceremonial blow by Donovan. That's true. That's true. Um, and before we before we finish up on this uh, series, um, I do want to talk about Draymond because, you know, he got ejected early. Well, it was in the second quarter of game one, um, but he hadn't been good. He was he was actually having a bad game, I thought, on both ends. That continued in game two to me. Um I'm not used to, I mean, look, occasionally he could throw the ball away. It's the Golden State Warriors. They don't really value <laughs> the basketball the way that that uh, my sort of more conventional basketball brain expects them to. But the truth is, I'm not used to seeing him this sloppy on defense either. I mean, we, I think we were texting during the game wondering if like, okay, they said he, they, he passed the concussion protocols, but he got, he got elbowed you know, accidentally, like this is, needs to be said that like, you know, Tillman caught him completely accidentally, elbow, arm down by his side, you know, a basketball play. But like he was, he was sloppy after that for, for a while. Um, and so you just, you, you do wonder, um, but there were, there were weird plays. There were plays where like, he had no idea where his man was and his man got straight to the basket and things like that. And, you know, it, 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 it was a confusing kind of game from him. I think he got a little bit out of sorts. I think getting kicked out of game one and I think kind of coming into game two, he had a little more extra energy. And I think sometimes Draymond's the kind of guy, I think when he has a little too much energy, it's a little bit out of control and a little bit wild. And I feel like that's something that we're – here's my thing. I think the Warriors are going to be fine. This Actually, series. I, it, I, I, this series. I, I – I don't think this is going to be a long series. I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to go back to the to, to Golden State and and in in their arena at Chase Center and get comfortable again. I don't think the here's the Grizzlies have gotten lucky for a lot of parts of this. Like they've given up a ton of open threes that the Warriors are not hitting, and it's not just like oh they gave up open shots to Otto Porter Jr. No, they're get they're leaving Curry open at times. They're leaving clay open at times and the leaving pool open at times like i honestly think memphis is is lucky that this is one one more than the warriors and i think this is one of those things where i'm like i think we're we're about to see them get going i think the thing we need to also acknowledge that's going to be i think a big problem for memphis and the reason why i think they feel like they have to play brooks as much as they do instead of melton is their lack of shooting uh desmond bain is not right and, you know, one way that you can guard Jaws, you load up the paint. If there's – if the spacers are Kyle Anderson and D'Anthony Melton, that's a lot easier to do than if it's, you know, Jaron Jackson and, 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 and Bain and, you know, either Dylan Brooks or Zaire Williams. By the way, credit to Zaire Williams. It was great in game two. Uh, I've, I've wondered, you know, why they're playing him so much. Uh, okay. NBA players are talented and, and – even even the guys who are less experienced can can have things good things happen to them. But no, but with Bain like not able to be the movement shooter that he's been for most of the season and the most of the playoffs, like that that's a pretty big limitation for an already offensively limited 
team in the half court. And, you know, he is the key. If they take away Ja, that's it. Because he was the best player for Memphis, I think, in, in that series against Minnesota. And it, because they took away Ja, they, they put so much pressure on Ja, and they needed Desmond Bain, and Minnesota had no answer. Now, no Bain for, for Memphis. I mean, how do they how do they work around that, Mo? It, does Memphis have any? They don't have another guy who can do that, but... What are the what is their option? No, they don't have one. It's a it's a it's the problem is you can't fix it right now. You can't add anybody to the roster. You can't call somebody up from the G League. You can't try to bring in somebody. It's you know, you just you gotta lean into Ja. You gotta have Jaron Jackson Jr., which by the way, it's kind of funny. We haven't even talked about him at all besides talked except about the him. fouls. Um you know, like they need him to kind of step up. I mean, I'm with you, Seth. Like, what else can we talk about? He's sitting on the bench most of the time. But like they need him to kind of tap into what he was doing in game one. And that means, you know, hitting shots and stuff. But he needs to be a force. And I think that's what they're going to really need. So there's a tough there's a tough balance for him, though. Um, and we saw this. Uh, I think we saw this more sort of more visibly with Carl Anthony Towns, both in the plan and that series is like, okay, they need him to be a force. But when he's he, – he, so many of his fouls are him trying to make a play that isn't there. Like, oh, the ball got stripped for me. I got to get it back. Oh, I just ran the guy over. But, see, that's, oh, I, but that's – but those are compounding mistakes, yes. right? Those are I made a mistake. I must make up for it. That's not playing with force. That's playing with the, oh, I screwed up. I need to fix it thing that's every time i try to fix something in the house right i make it worse okay it's that simple like it's just compounding your mistakes that's what his problems are it's not force it's i it's it's, it's the same thing where we see teams do this all the time where you give up a three on one end so i'm going to take a quick three on the other end it's always stupid hey you got to have a shooter's mentality uh we'll be right back to talk about phoenix dallas after the break this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Okay, guys, we have a 2-0 Phoenix Suns lead. Chris Paul doing the thing he does. Just absolutely cooking Dallas. Devin Booker looks amazing. Uh, safe to say this this series feels like it's done, right? Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like, who wants to jump on this one? It, it, they're, they're, they're good. Like, what, what do you, you know, I, that's, I don't, like, I think you just need to, like, you can go micro, but they're just good. Like, they're just, you know, we've said it all year, they're good. When was the last time a team shot like this Never. in the playoffs? Has it ever no. happened? Yeah. They do not miss from the mid-range. And I, I mean, when, you know, when you're playing in the NBA and, and a, I just don't know what you do against a team that can hit every shot. They can score every way. I think that's focusing on the wrong thing. Like, I think that's 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 sort of that's dressing it up somewhat. I just think they're they're. Their process is so good. Like you look at all of their players, like the, the way they play off those those, that, those makes is – I don't think I've seen a team that's that's better at attacking a closeout that isn't coming squared up. Like everyone, all of their their perimeter players except for Chris Paul who's like who, – and even he does it sometimes. But if the closeout is coming at any sort of angle, they just go 
And it doesn't matter. Like Bridges has gotten so good at the go and catch. Cam Johnson's that even like relatively athletically limited guys like Landry Shamit, if the closeout is not squared up, they're going. And even if they're not making a play for themselves, it's like the old Spurs thing of chip, chip, chip until the the, the dam breaks. And it's, you know, so they're, they, regardless of what's going on in the game, they just process and process and process. And, oh, it's a dunk. Oh, it's an open three. Oh, Chris Paul got a good matchup and he's going to get to the elbow and drain a jumper on you. I mean, it's just Chris. Like what Chris did at the end of that fourth quarter or just midway through the fourth quarter when he basically spearheaded that run that put it away and then Booker comes in and hits like a bajillion threes and 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 and, and put the game into, into space. But it was Chris just going, we're going to go at Luca, and then I'll make the read after that. And it was soft switches. They they allowed CP to get on Luca. It was a floater in the lane. It was a layup. And then it was a double team coming. Chris gets off of it quickly, and it's everything set set. It goes to Shamit. Shamit immediately swings it to Bridges. The closeout comes not squared out in the corner. He drives the lane. He hits Biombo on the baseline out of the dunker spot. Biombo gets the dunk. And it's all just... Everything about it is methodical. It's this is the team that wears you down, right? There, uh, I wish they were sponsoring us, but Top Gun <laughs> reference coming in. But this is Iceman, right? He just f- plays with you until you make a mistake. That's all Chris is doing. He's just playing with you until you make a mistake, and that's all Phoenix is doing as a whole. And I think it's his imprint on on this team. And I think that's the stuff we're watching with it. It was clinical. It was surgical. Whatever Cole you wanted, word you want to implement at the end of that, it was all the same. It was just he kept coming, and there was no answer for the uh, Mavs. No matter what they tried to do, they were ready for it, and they had the counter with it. And it's like I just can't see a, a, a way for Dallas to get out of this. And even really like without Aiton contributing all that much, it doesn't matter. Every center for the Suns. Just plays well when they're out there. Uh, Bismack Biombo was guarding Luca, and it was yeah, it's passable. I mean, it was. I mean, it, listen, you don't want to get stuck there often, but he did okay. I, I, this is I don't know, man. The Suns are good, and, and we've been saying this all year. Uh, I do want to talk about the their strategy on the offensive end, especially late, like you mentioned. They hunted Luca, and number one, look, I, I watch a lot of Mavs games. I do seventy seven minutes with Tim Cato. Uh, this is the worst I've seen him look all year defensively. Now, part of that is how much pressure they're putting on him. Obviously, Chris Paul is a master, but I don't think he's right on the calf. And you would think that the defensive end, it wouldn't show up as much. But the truth is, he does look a step slow defensively from where he's been all year. How do you, how do you solve that, that problem for, for Dallas? I don't think it's the calf. I think it's the, the same old thing that he... he because of how he gets his offense, he's got to work hard. Like, yeah, he cooked the first quarter of this game. But those aren't like, you know, that move where he backs a guy down and makes four pivots and bumps a guy off and shoots a layup. Like that's – that is taxing. And we've seen this. Like I, I wrote about this in the playoffs last year. The games where he fell off, falls off offensively tend to be the games where he had huge usage the first half. He had a 50% usage rate in the first quarter last night. Now – he scored reasonably efficiently the rest of the game, but you saw the fatigue and like he was cooked. He was he was he was cooked defensively. Like he I, I don't think that's a calf issue. I think that's, you know, I don't even think it's a conditioning issue. I just think it's like, you know, everything that we liked about how they changed using him this year, they're not doing. 
and he's burning so much energy to get offense because that's the only way they feel like they can get offense that he gasses out. Well, it doesn't help that Jalen Brunson has just been put in jail, Mo. I mean, like he this is not a Brunson series. I mean, this is I mean, this is a nobody series. We've talked about this going into the <laughs> coming from Utah coming from a Utah series into this series. That's unfair. Just think about it. Like, look at the defense that they had to face against Utah, right? Like, it was non-existent. They got in the lane at will. Brunson was averaging 15 points per game in the paint. In the paint. Not in, not for the game. In the paint. You know, he had a more, you know, it's it's it, in that Utah series. Then you come in and now it's like, oh, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder. Everybody's rotating. Chris Paul, DeAndre, and on the back line, you have Devin Booker who's putting up a good fight defensively. Like, you're, you're looking at all this and you're just like, damn. There really is no cracks, and it, it's it's hard in that sense. And it, you know, it was almost like a disservice going from an easy first round matchup right into this one. It's like they smacked them right in the face, and I feel like this is something we expected. I don't think we had. I think we even talked about it last week. Like this is was what we expected would happen in this series, and I think this is it's it, it, it's hard. But I also look at it going like, now be sure teams in free agency, <clears throat> Knicks. Um, just pay attention to this series because this should be the one that you're sitting courtside and watching and not the other one because this is what you're going to be trying to pay for in the offseason. So I think that's the the stuff there. And it goes back to – I'm sorry. I know I'm rambling. I'll real, make this point. You're good. Seth touched, on, Seth, Seth touched on it You know about Luca's usage. They went completely away from what they do. You know, and we've, we talk about this a lot, right? Teams kind of forgetting their identity. The first quarter should be – Luca trying to get the other guys going, trying to get them touches, trying to get them opportunities and things like that. Him having a 50% usage in the first quarter is just, that's the key factor to me going like, they're going to lose this game. That's, I wish I knew that in real time. I would have predicted it right then and there. I I did. <laughs> like I was, I was talking, yeah, but nobody about listens this. to you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, but I think, I think it's illustrative. Like I had, it was funny. I had Mavs fans in my mentions, like at halftime, I was like, Hey, they, they shot 50% from three and Luca was God mode and they're up two. And, and like one Mavs fan, I forget who it was like, yeah, I'm a, Ma- I'm a Mavs fan for life. I don't think we're winning this game. It's the, the dam is going to break. And that's, you know, it's, it's exactly what happened because if you, you had all that go right and you burned so much, you, you used, used so much of your turbo in the first half that like, oh, well now the sun's use theirs and, and you do, bye. Is, that's is, what happened. This is just going to be another weird movie reference, but it's Thanos snapping his finger and nothing happening, right? Like Luca <laughs> going off in the first half and then you're only up two is like, is this is this all I can't snap guys sorry I would I would try but you know like is this on like is this working like what damn it you know like somebody check the batteries like those are the things and that's the thing in the playoffs in general is a bigger point but like when you're going off but you don't have a big lead at halftime you got to be worried and I will we'll touch on it in some of the other series but like that's that's the problem and that's a key indicator your guys going to another level you got to be concerned going in the second half if it's like still a very close game. This would have been a better analogy to make last week when my son was jumping on the recording with his yes. uh, with his Iron Man <laughs> gauntlet yes. with the uh, with the the Infinity Stones on it. But, uh, uh, you guys, he'd be very you guys got anything? Here. You got anything else on this series, uh, or do you guys want to move on to Miami Philly? Oh, another <laughs> fun series! <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> Sandwich them in the middle. Is there any like we do? I mean. 
is it worth talking about like um you know we've talked about offensive players not guarding and Devin Booker is I mean I think that that's a that's a conversation about the difference in Devin Booker as a player now than three years ago this is a guy who actually took the challenge seriously he, he kind of reminds me all right and this just take a walk with me but DeMar DeRozan is a guy who it seems like he improves something every single offseason, right? I think Devin Booker is in that mold where he just goes to work. I mean, he just works hard and is working his butt off on defense. And it's funny because he's got good instincts and now the effort is fully there. I think he's become, I mean, more than just a passable guy. He's playing really good defense. Yeah, Rudy Gobert agrees. <laughs> I think it's, you know, um, this is just illustrative that, you know, a lot of guys, like guys who make the NBA, if you put them in the right situation, they'll do the right things. Most guys. And, you know, so so a guy who is maybe non-competitive defensively as the best player on a crap team, you do, well, you, you can't necessarily say it will always be thus. You can, it's not, it's not a given that, well, you put a good, good players around him, he'll try harder. That doesn't always happen, but it happens enough that, you know, and this is a prime example of it, that basically his defense and basically his offensive approach changed to kind of real basketball as soon as they got like adults on that team, you know, culture, man. The, yeah, this was this was Monty Williams as the coach. This was you know get get him some good vets and Ricky Rubio and and Aaron Baines and and they turn stuff around and then you add Chris Paul and away we go. One name that asked to get mentioned and and deserves a lot of credit for this though is James Jones. One hundred percent. He's done a phenomenal job, and you know I I, I imagine there was a, a low expectations when he took the job. And he has gone to another level. And to be honest, his name doesn't get mentioned at all. It really doesn't in all of this. We give a lot of credit to Monty Williams. We give a lot of credit to Chris Paul, to Devin Booker. And they deserve it. They all do, right? But let's just talk about the stuff that James Jones has done. Making the trade to get Mikhail Bridges. Making the Cam Johnson pick that everybody was shocked. Kobe White, I still have seared in my head going, wow. wow. You, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of that stuff. And we're not giving him the credit he actually deserves for the job that he's put together, the, the the team he's put together. Like this is phenomenal. And, and whatever happens from this point on, like he's proven to be a, a, a hell of a front office and, and, and GM guy. And I think that's something that, you know, just kudos to him. I just wanted to make sure he got some love there. There, I was noting that they're aside from Ish Wainwright, uh, their garbage time lineup would all have been rotation players on, I think, Basically every other team that's still left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've done a great job. Okay, um, Miami-Philly. This is another series that just kind of feels done. Miami's up 2-0. And uh, without Joel Embiid, Philly, they just don't have a chance, I don't think. James Harden's not that guy. And Miami has Bam Adebayo. And Mo, he's been pretty ridiculous so far. He's supposed to be, Dave. He's going up against DeAndre Jordan, Paul Reed, and and Paul Millsap. If he's not, if listen, if he's not going to be great in this series, he needs to give back his money. He needs to start giving his money back to the Heat. He's supposed to. Like this is what he's supposed to do. This is what we expect from him. I'm glad he's doing it. It's great. But we all knew going into the series without Joel Embiid for 
you know, at least the first two games, like it's an uphill battle. It's, you know, there's, there's not a lot of opportunities there for Philly to take advantage of and things like that. And it's a perfect time for Bam to eat. And that's exactly what he's doing. He's sitting down at the table, putting the handkerchief around his neck, making a little bit of a bib and going to work. Is there any reason for Miami to consider bringing Kyle Lowry back at this point, Seth? I, I, like they're up 2-0. They, they should sweep this series because at this point, it doesn't feel like Joel Embiid is going to be back. And if he is, he's likely to be limited because, I mean, what kind of condition is his face in and his thumb is already injured? And just, no, and also like what kind of condition is he in? Like yeah. this is part of the – like this is – I'm not the first person to make this point. But like part of the concussion protocols is you're not doing anything. And you know his his season is based a lot on him being in the best shape of his career. And you lose that peak pretty quickly and he won't have played for a week or 10 days you know, before he conceivably comes back. And that's a lot. Um, no, I, if, I, if I'm Miami, I don't – like I think Philly needs to win two games before I think about like – you know, think I'm thinking this series is very low danger, and I'm much more. I need I need Kyle Lowry next series, and presumably the one after, much more than I need him to beat this team. I mean, Miami um, hasn't played the playoffs yet. Like, let's just be honest. Like, you know, besides the one game they lost, which I think they just blew terribly with some bad execution at the end of the game against Atlanta, they haven't played in the playoffs yet. They haven't had that where they've had to really fight. Uh, playoff opponents and things like that. They just haven't played the playoffs yet. Like that's the thing. And, and, and again, I'm with Seth, like there's no reason to really bring back Kyle Lowry right now. You got everything going. Gabe Vincent's rolling. The one argument maybe you can make is, Hey, at least we want to get him some conditioning. Fine. But like, just make sure he's, he's healthy enough and not going to re aggravate the injury. And I think, uh, you know, with the way that Jimmy Butler's playing, he's been just, a, I think a great playmaker for them. So far in the playoffs uh, and it's not just pick and roll stuff. He's actually like cutting and making passes off the cut, which that's when Miami, I think in their offense is at its best. When you have that guy kind of putting pressure at the basket and trying to get to the free throw line and then creating shots out of that. But PJ Tucker has been solid for them. I, I just, yeah, I'm with you, Mo. I, I think that they haven't really been pushed as of yet. And every other team basically has at least had to struggle a little bit. I mean, even the Suns, right? Get smacked in the face at some point. That's the playoffs. You're going to get smacked in the face. How do you respond to that? And that's, I mean, for Miami, it's not going to happen until they get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, what does Philly do to at least put some pressure on him in game three? I mean, James Harden has started out, I, I thought, first half of these games, he's looked pretty good, and then it's gone. Uh, Maxi had a great stretch. I mean, really good game two on the offensive end. Um, I, I just don't. I don't know. Uh, Seth, what would you do here? I mean, is it more B-ball Paul? I think, no, I think it's the, I think it's, they have to see, they, I know that, that, you know, because Nyang is hurt and Bible is offensively limited, like how much they can play like five, five out, but they have to play as much five out as they can just because like their six best players right now are all not bigs. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's you got to, you know, some combination of Harden, Maxi, Harris, Yang, Thibault, and Danny Green. Yeah. Like those guys, like, you know, it's, it, uh, I, you know, Reed has, has, has tried and, and DeAndre was better in game two, but just got to play your good players. And, and, you know, and, you know, there's no, there's no good answer, but like, um, 
playing the same old way is is not we know that's not the answer it's you know very definition of insanity kind of thing um and, and so, to just piggyback on your point though seth when they have done it they've done well with it they've actually defended pretty well out of that because the guys see understand they have to ramp up here a little bit more and they've they've spread the floor and it's not even about Harden taking advantage of five out it's about maxi taking advantage of the five out and the more space and i think that's something that's key there and something that i, I wish doc would embrace more um but it's it honestly like he brings it out in the first half and then forgets about it in the second half i think i think one other change and i think this is just fantastically unlikely based on on history is when they go to the five out um like Harden has to be better at playing off of Maxi. Like there are plays where Maxi drives the kick out to Harden. Uh, he's got a closeout, like a, a long guy's making a long close, and so he has he can either just go, you know, he can either go and catch, or he can just shoot the spot up three, and instead he pump fakes and then gets into his bag. And it's just like we we worked so hard to create this advantage, and then you just like give it away. And he's he's taken a one catch and shoot three a game for like ever. But he's just he's got to he's got to either take that shot or just go. I mean, listen, man, we we've talked a lot about superstars and how they need to relocate when they're off the ball. And we talked about this specifically with James Harden. And now we thought they would have Joel Embiid as a facilitator. But if Harden's just not going to move after he makes a pass without Embiid, they have no they have no offense. There's nothing. I, I mean, he I mean. He's an MVP guy. Like, how do you, it's, it's, it's an easy, uh, like there's no replacing that, you know, it's, it's, if the Bucks lost Giannis, if Nuggets lost Jokic, right? Like there's no replacing these guys. Like that's why they, they're, they're the guys. Like this is a different series if Embiid's there, like if we're, we're to be honest with, with a lot of these things and Harden's the second or third guy on your team in that instance, instead of having to be the first or second guy like he is now. And I think that's, the the unfairness of all of this with 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 what you have in this and i feel bad for Embiid, man no you went from i mean you just you know we've talked about identity i wrote about this uh, uh yesterday on the athletic um thursday uh yesterday today as we're recording um like this is a complete change in their identity like they were the most frequent or, or one of the two most frequent post-up teams in the league this year they've had one post-up chance in two games and that's, I mean, Jordan? I think that's, John, John yeah, I think it was Paul Reed, but this is like, this is, but it's this, I mean, this is in retro, like, it's obvious when you say that, but it's just, it's just like a sea change in how they play basketball and doing that on the fly is hard. And then on top of that, you add the fact that like, you know, the, 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 the crater, the talent crater that it gives you when you take, you know, an MVP level player off your team, um, it's hard to recover from. Well, we're going to talk about a superstar that has no problem relocating on offense after the break when we talk about Milwaukee and Boston. Okay, guys, Milwaukee, Boston series tied one game apiece, a tale of two different games. And the Boston Celtics actually looked like the world beaters that we thought they were in game two. Um, We got to talk about the Celtics offense and Jason Tatum and his ability to relocate. He just won't, he, he moves away from the basketball and has gotten looks and open up looks for other guys just by being active offensively. That was a big difference maker for me uh, with Boston in game two. I mean, we saw a lot of that relocation through at the end of game two and mm-hmm. things like that. But really, the 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 two things that stood out to me in that game on just Boston's offense and just in general 
One, they did a better job controlling the ball and not just throwing it all over the place. And two, they made the right reads, right? They would come in there. They didn't try to go it on alone. They made the pass. They got multiple drives into the paints, kickouts, swing, swing, three, and things like that. They got the defense constantly moving. And it's, I understand it's shocking for everybody. Like, yo, they only had like 24 paints and points in the paint in, in that game. I think it was something like that. And everybody was like, you're not going to be able to shoot like that. They're only going to win the series if they can shoot at that level because they're not going to win the, the series in the paint against the Milwaukee Bucks. They don't have the tools for that. They have the tools to beat them on the outside. And I think that's the key. And the most important thing is how do they get to those threes in game one? They did it a lot on one-on-one selfish acts in game two, several drives into the paint, several kickouts on multi- on, on like one possession. You'd get two drives, you get two kickouts, boom, wide open looks. That's going to be the difference for them. Jalen Brown in game two and his aggressiveness attacking the basket was opening stuff up. I mean, I thought uh, Grant Williams, I mean, he, he was six of nine from three in that game too. I mean, he can shoot and he was getting open looks, Seth. I mean, this is, you know, it, it's kind of been the indictment on the Bucks defense. The Celtics have shot 93 threes in two games. The Bucks kind of have a math problem. I mean, the the issue with the, the Milwaukee defense is it's not always just count the threes. It's the character of the threes. And like Mo was talking about, a lot of them were, you know, deep, late clock, off the dribble, contested, all that. These were rhythm, off-ball reversal, off-penetration, open. Um, it's just the, like the the character of the shots Boston was getting in game two were just so much so much better. And a lot of that started with, I think, I mean, I think it, it was just, you know, um, Jalen Brown just playing better, like put more pressure on the defense by he made some shots. So then you have to, you have to close to him harder so he can get in the paint and he can start that chain. Um, and so him both shooting better and taking care of the ball better um, just went a long way to doing that. But then also, yeah, it's just their execution. And they had a number of, of uh, you know, of uh, 2014 Spurs-esque possessions where it was drive, kick, ping pong the ball. And like the, the one, my favorite was the one where the ball reversed like three times before, um, uh, uh, you know, Tatum bulleted a pass from the top of the key to Horford for a quick shot layup. And right. like it was late clock, but they, they, they had Boston chasing the ball, Milwaukee Milwaukee. chasing the ball for like 18 seconds. Two things. One, I want to push back a little bit, Dave, on on what you said of Jalen Brown playing aggressive. He played aggressive in the first game. Just <laughs> That's true. Stupid. Play, play stupid. He just played like yeah, an, yeah. He, he just played poorly. There was a difference with that, right? Like the aggression level was there. It was just <laughs> right. like, oh god, what are we doing? Um, the and and to Seth's point though, it's just you got to get the defense chasing you, and that was what they did in this game. And it's and, and from that, you'll get shots and you'll get the opportunities. I don't care if they're twos. I don't care if they're threes. If you're playing deep into the clock and the defense has to chase you, that's more tiring for the defense, right? If Giannis has to run sideline to sideline and then back to the paint and in, in a span of 20 seconds, that's tiring. That's a body shot. That's a blow right there that you're going to try to get him tired throughout the stretch. Now, Giannis might not be the best example because the dude seems like boundless energy, but everybody else as well. And I think that's the important aspect of what Boston did. If they're going to win this series, they have to keep doing that. I think that that 
making them move and then moving yourself like a lot of their success of of Milwaukee's success in game one was basically just like leaning on the perimeter guys like being very physical on the perimeter and you, you kind of can't do that when you're when you're sprinting around to recover and having to locate the guy you're supposed to recover to and so I think that you know Milwaukee still tried to tried to play physical but it's like um you know you you go to wrap up a guy and he's not there and, like where are you damn it yeah <laughs> he moved what did you do yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and I think and, and so I think that just making that more difficult, like then, you know, now like just think about it. Like Wes Matthews, is he going to be better defensively if he can touch you or if he can't touch you? Like, and that's because of you know where he's at. You know, physically his strengths are more his strength than his his quickness. And so you make it a quickness game, and and he's in trouble. And that's that's true to a large degree for that's true for even for Drew Holiday. Like frankly. Like for everyone, basically, but Giannis that they have available, um, that that's that that plays less to their defensive strengths than just you know here I am, come hit me. All right, let, let's talk about the Bucks offense because um, bad is not quite uh, the way I would describe it in Game Two. And uh, Mo, I, I think that you, well, you got your finger up here. Have, oh, you have, you're just ready to jump in. Let's I'm, go. I'm, I'm just, just going to jump. Over. I'm going to jump because it's not just game two. According to Synergy, they have the 15th worst half court offense in the in the playoffs. The only team that had worse half court offense was the team they beat in the first round, the Chicago Bulls. They have a points per possession of 0.901. They won game one off of transition baskets, forcing turnovers and getting out running. They had 28 points in transition in game one and six in game two. That's the game. That's the ball game between the threes and for, for the Celtics and not getting out running. That's the ball game. So how did, the, the big issue is that their half-court offense, they're not generating three-point looks. And I, I think Boston's doing a pretty good job of containing. I mean, Giannis is really struggling to get the ball in the basket. What can, what can they do, Seth? It's it's a talent disparity, right? Like, I mean, it, they just don't have the guys. They, they, miss, they, 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 they miss Chris Middleton. This is a team that didn't have, again, a lot of, of creators. And they're missing their, um, you know, in some ways, like, like especially against the way that Boston plays defense, Middleton might even have been their most reliable half-court option in terms of being able to create something. You know, like, you know, against basically anyone that Boston would throw at him. And Middleton has, has historically killed Boston as well. Um, um, makes that even more more worrisome. So, yeah, so they're in a situation where they're, you know, Mo, like another stat to build on what Mo was saying. Like, according to Cleaning the Glass, they're averaging about 83 points per 100 half-court chances. The worst offense in the NBA this season was Detroit, average 88. <laughs> I mean— that and some of that, it. some of that, some of that is like okay, they they have missed some shots, but also they're they are they are forced to because of Boston switching and scrambling, they're forced to play one on one, and they don't have guys who can aside from Giannis, you know, play one on one well. And if and if Giannis is being guarded by stout guys like Grant Williams, like Al Horford, like 
he's often shooting jump shots or or like you know fade like hook shots or something like that and not getting all the way to the basket because they've got so much help. So to drop one more stat, um, like seventy three percent of their shots in uh, in in game two were self created. That's just a massive number. Uh, usually around the NBA, it's that's closer to fifty fifty. Celtic uh, Boston. Excuse me. Milwaukee was right at 50-50 during the season. Uh, but like basically half the number of team created shots they normally would that they normally would do. And that's that's I think a testament both to them missing Middleton but also the effectiveness of of Boston's defense even without Marcus Smart. I mean, not having to have to double Giannis and have Al Horford and Grant Williams being able to stand up Giannis in the post and stand up to him physically for most possessions. There's going to be times where Giannis is going to win. Um, but being able to stand him up and do all of that is is a, is a difference maker, right? You don't have to add another defender, and that puts you in rotation from there. If those guys can just hold up enough, that's that's going to be key for them in their defense because now everybody else gets to stay home. And now it's not Grayson Allen getting wide open threes or, you know, Drew Holiday cutting and getting a look. It's, 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 that's the real thing. And that's, again, that's where the Middleton component is so huge for the Bucks, And that's why when he was out, I was like, damn, I don't think they can win the series. Well, and what's even scarier to me, if you're Milwaukee, is that the Celtics have basically done this without Marcus Smart for two games. You know, he was he had the shoulder stinger and then the he took two knees to the same quad in game one. I actually thought I was worried he had a knee issue because the way he was limping. Then they didn't have him in game two. And now they've got this long layoff and he may be back. And now all of a sudden it's like, uh oh, you know, I mean, Boston. Look, I don't want to say that they can beat the Bucks in five, but can they beat the Bucks in five? That's what I picked before the series. Um, yeah, I don't like, I don't know. I think that that's, um, two games in Milwaukee. Like I, I can't count out Giannis. I, I just yeah, can't. Yeah. I, I, I had that before, but after watching game one and, and seeing this, see how easily the Celtics were able to revert back to what they were in November and December, I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Um, this might be a tougher series. I still think Celtics win this series, but I don't know if it's going to be, yeah. I don't think they're going to run off four straight wins, right? Like Milwaukee's going to step up and, and, and I think they're going to, I think this is going to be a two, two series going into game five. I think that's I, at, at the very least, like, I just don't think Giannis is going to fold like that. Yeah. I think that I mean, Giannis is the key, right? I don't even know if it's a, if it's a fold thing though. I mean, I think it's just there. Like it's as much like if, if Boston plays, good offensive basketball it's just such a high hill for Milwaukee to climb like if it's a, if both teams are are if 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 uh, Milwaukee can successfully drag Boston down into the muck offensively then yeah maybe it's within Giannis you know takeover range but they have to do that first to even give Giannis that chance um and they they can but it's but it's also Boston can also play more offensively they, the way they did uh, for much of game two it's, and it's, then that's, then that's tro- problems. Yeah. It's, it's for me, the, the one thing to watch is transition. If the bucks can get stops and get out running before that defense is set, that's going to be the, uh, the big difference right there. If, if, if not, that's where they really start to, 
struggle because we just every number we gave you in the half court just told you like the Bucks should not want to play in the half court offense against this defense. Um, you guys have any plans for the rare two nights off from NBA two games? Oh yeah, no games Thursday or Friday night. What? No, we have Am games I wrong here. We have games You're Friday right. night. What's wrong with you, Dave? <laughs> My, well, no, first off, first off, first off, no, 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 forgetting my hopes up. No, forgetting my, I got all excited. No, Screw I think that Dave is actually taking shots at Dallas and, and, uh, and, <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and, and, Philly by saying there's no games on Friday. And that's, that's harsh. That's bulletin board material, Dave. I, I listen, man, about I to get on the phone, book a trip somewhere two nights. I was like, whoa, it's tough. It's tough for me because my guy, Danny Green is going to, you know, have to maybe take a sweep but um yeah look the game's on friday i I will admit the suns have just been amazing to watch but um i don't know it's gonna be tough to watch these games on friday night that's gonna do it for this week folks for seth and mo i'm dave keep it locked in to the athletic nba show thank you guys for listening this has been nerder she wrote